He is risen. Hallelujah. The basis for this sermon this morning is our gospel lesson, our Easter gospel lesson. So I'd like to invite you to open up your bulletins there to page 10. And we're really going to focus our hearts and minds on verses 1 to 8 there, and I'll explain why in just a minute. But I'd just like you to have your bulletins open there, and we're going to be working through these verses kind of in a, in a methodical way, and bringing them to our hearts and lives. You have to come back next week. You know, I shouldn't do this, but... I'm going to, these, these verses are a bit disappointing in a, in a couple of important ways. Um, the disciples are a hot mess. And in these verses today, it never gets resolved, especially when it comes to the males, to the men. Luke, he, he sums up, their best activity and their best believing in this way, he says in verse 11, they did not believe. So, if you want to see how God makes these men into the greatest and most bold witnesses of Jesus' resurrection from the dead, well, you have to come back next week then. But there's another disappointing factor in this lesson, and maybe you noticed it already, but there's no Jesus. Not a single time there's no appearance of Jesus. So if you want to see Jesus with the holes in his hands and the pierced side, you have to come back next week. In fact, if you don't come back next week, and the weeks after that, well, that's kind of like going to the 4th of July celebrations and then leaving right before the grand finale. Or it's kind of like taking chocolate chip cookies out of the oven and then just smelling them. Or like maybe opening up a, a cold Coca-Cola on a hot summer day and then not taking a sip. I mean, you just have to come back next week because all of the scholars agree about this, that this is actually not the culmination of Luke's Easter account. You have to keep reading. You have to come back and hear about the disciples on the road to Emmaus. But you also have to come back next year. Because if I was completely honest, the weight of Preaching on Easter is absolutely crushing. And, and we can't cover it all today. I can't say enough about what happened. In fact, if I was completely honest, we're not even going to look at all the verses today. From the Gospel of Luke. This is, this is the year of Luke and only Luke. Next year it'll be Matthew and we'll have a different focus. So you have to come back next year too. But today we're going to follow the women. Today we're going to follow the women. And we're going to see not only the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, but we are going to see the resurrection of the women from the dead. We're going to watch as God moves them from despair. And then to fear. 
And then they remember Jesus' words. Listen to Luke's account of these women. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of men, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. Not even omniscient Google Maps knows about Um, High Hopes Triangle. But it's not far from here. It's just right over there on 67th Street in between Roosevelt Avenue and Woodside Avenue. Maybe walk by it on your way home. It's just a little urban backyard and it's surrounded by an iron fence that's kind of wasting away. And it's got inscribed in in the cement around a, a little song under the same name, High Hopes. And it's about an ant. The song's about an ant who desperately wants to move a rubber tree and he doesn't know if he can do it, and then he does it. You know, the message of the triangle is clear enough. Have high hopes. But, and I went there earlier this week, if you go there, you're going to find a very shocking juxtaposition, because this same proud fence is totally wasting away. And what I saw was a pretty typical New York scene. There was a, there was a condom on the ground. It was open, but it was unused. And there was a beer can there, actually two of them. One was Tecate and one was Budweiser. And as I looked around, there was also a lottery ticket. And someone had scratched it off with the highest of hopes, but then, but then they had torn it up in disgust and just left it right there, high hopes triangle. That's what Luke does in verse 1 of this lesson. It's a mini microcosm called High Hope's Triangle. It's really a masterful spirit-inspired verse because Luke starts with the very highest of hopes, with the most potential, and then it just all comes crashing down. He says this, On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, The women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. I mean, Luke wants us to know that this is Genesis. This is the very beginning. 
And it's not the beginning of just any old week. He says, this is the beginning of the first of Sabbaths. This is the beginning of the first true rest that the world has ever seen. This is it. This is Genesis. And as if we might have missed it, he continues piling up language. And this is outside of what he usually does. He piles up language about time, saying it is the deepest dawn. It's the part of the day with the most potential. It's the part of the day when, when we think, you know, today might be the day when God shows up. Today might be the day when finally God changes our circumstances. This is Genesis. It's the very beginning. It starts with the highest of hopes. Luke wants us to know that the disciples should have had this incredible, bursting, unbridled kind of hope. That's what they should have had. But they didn't. It didn't matter. This is Genesis. It it didn't matter that this is the part of the day with the most potential. It didn't matter that God acts in the morning. Because what Luke says they do, and he finishes the verse in this way, and hope just comes crashing down. The women took spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. This is high hope. I hope triangle all over again, only it's heightened. The call and the urgency to hope again is as high as it gets, but the hopes that are dashed are dashed as low as it can get because this isn't just a lottery ticket that's been scratched off and disposed of. Instead, this is Jesus. This is the hope for deliverance. This is the hope that all sin is taken away and that there really is life. But they think that Jesus lies dead. And not even the empty tomb can change it. I think we have to understand that too. The empty tomb, we often think the empty tomb is the proof, but not even the empty tomb can change them. Instead, and Luke tells us, when they see the empty tomb, they don't have faith in their hearts. Instead, they're perplexed about it. Hmm, What happened here? They are confused. I don't get it. And it was all wrong. It was really really wrong. You can almost sense how wrong it was. And if you can't sense it, well then the angels let us know. Because the angels go to the women and leave no doubt that this is wrong. They say, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. The angels are they're so soft about it. 
They're so nice about it. But you have to understand that they are rebuking the women. What are you doing here? Why are you looking for the living one among the dead? Didn't he tell you? Didn't he tell you that he would be handed over into the hands of sinners? Didn't he tell you that he would be murdered? Didn't he tell you that he would rise again? Oh yes, he did tell you. He said, meet with me in Galilee after I rise from the dead. And yet you, dear women, are here in the tomb thinking that he is dead. What are you doing here? These women... These dear women, they stare at an empty tomb like like a cow stares at a new gate. They just don't know what to make of it. Until, until they remembered his words. That's what Luke says in verse 8. He says, then... They remembered his words. This is the turning point. This is the the gravitational center of this Easter account. Because before it, before it, the women are sad. Before it, the women are in despair. Before it, the women are Afraid, afraid and confused and perplexed. But after it, they have joy. After it, they believe. After it, they share. Then, they remembered His words. They needed His words because... Their hearts were too slow. And their reason too clouded. And their hopes for God were far too low. Then they remembered His words. And now we're starting to get it. That God's work only began when He raised Jesus from the dead. And God's Easter work continued when He raised the hearts of these women from the dead. And God's work is only complete when He brings you from death to life and from doubt to faith by the power of Jesus' remembered words. See, you have to understand this about St. Luke. He is not interested in rational arguments. He's not going to tell you why rising from the dead is possible and that we actually should believe it from our reason. He's not interested in any of that. He's not interested in the angelic witness because that only brought the women fear. He's not interested really even in the empty tomb because that only brought the women perplexity. What he is really interested in is the remembrance of Jesus' words. We could say that Luke is the first Lutheran. 
He's the first guy to really talk about the power of the means of grace to bring people to faith. To move people from fear to trust. And if you really think about it, we need this word. Because in the very worst of circumstances, we might see the empty tomb and assume that, well, his body was stolen. In the very best of circumstances, we might look at the empty tomb and think, well, this is just another resurrection among several others in the Bible. We might look at it and think, well, this is another resurrection like when Lazarus came back from the dead and then died again. Or like when Jesus raised the widow's son at Nain and then he died again. We might think that this is just some normal resurrection if we didn't have the word of God. But we have the word of God. We never would have known that this resurrection enters into a totally new category. That we never would have known that here in this resurrection that God has swallowed up the finite with the infinite. That in this resurrection, the mortal has been swallowed up by the immortal. That, that this resurrection is the first fruits of many more to come. We never would have known that this resurrection changed God's frown against sin into a loving, fatherly embrace. We never would have known any of that if it wasn't for the Word of God. And then they remembered Jesus' words. And so really, we're right back where we started. You have to come back next week. You just have to because you need this word in your life. Wouldn't it be nice to start each week the same way that the women did and to bring all their doubts, all their fears, all their despair and have it meet the remembered words of Jesus? What would your life be like if every Sunday you began the week, the part of the week with the most potential, and it ran smack dab into the crucified and risen Jesus. I'll tell you what it would be like. Your despair would be turned into hope each week. Your confusion into knowledge about God. Your doubts into faith, your perplexity, into knowing the truth about God. And if you come into contact, contact with the remembered words of Jesus enough, you might just become, for the world, high hopes triangle, but without the litter. Because this word would hold out to you weak after week. A Jesus with holes in his hands and a cut in his side who is alive forever. <laughs>